Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. Hello, everybody. This is Sean Martin, host of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. You're very welcome to this new episode. It's going to be a series uh, with uh, a good friend, Michael Piacente. How are you, Michael? Good to see you, Sean. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. We, uh, we've we been talking off and on, uh, well, since around... years. <laughs> yeah, for, for quite a while, but even but more specifically around this... Uh, since around Black Hat time, which right. I'm not sure for that, but uh, this one's from 2014. So I'm sporting an old school one here today. Love it. But uh, yeah, we we often talk about a lot of topics, and you get you get uh, the pleasure of getting involved in a lot of activities uh, at the board level and at the C C suite level. And we decided let's talk about some of that stuff. We're not going to spill the beans for anybody and expose anybody, of course, but you're, you're seeing some cool things and I hear some cool things. And of course, there's no lack of stuff going on in the industry at large. So uh, let's just wrap about. <laughs> so uh, that's what we're, we're going to target once a month and uh, we'll see how, how we do there. Don't be upset with us if we, if we skip the five or six weeks out for the, for another one, but uh We'll target once a month and uh, we'll have fun. So, Michael, before we get into all of the, the good stuff we want to talk about today, um, a few words about who you are, what you're up to, uh, who Hitch Partners is, some of the things you're involved with. You, you have a lot going on. Yeah, thanks, Sean. It's good to see. You. I was going to say, uh, as far as your timing for getting uh, the, the cadence of this, it's uh, whenever you and I are not at an airport. Um, will be the opportune time to get these <laughs> scheduled. So exactly. I appreciate your your schedule. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, Michael Piacenti. I'm the managing partner and co-founder of Hitch Partners. We are a global executive search firm focused in the all things security. Uh, from uh, started in the CISO space, 
and uh, a very particular type of CISO, which we'll get into. Um, and we've expanded um, not only in technology companies, but also smaller to mid-sized enterprises as um, last few years. Uh, we also have a, a layer down service uh, that, that helps uh, our CISOs build out their teams. Um, we, you know, after doing 70 or 80 of these, uh, we realized that CISOs were like, uh, yeah, thanks for stealing me uh, from where I was. And now I am not able to go out and get my uh, teams uh, built out. So, um, <clears throat> so I need help to do that. So we, we started that group. Uh, and then we also last year um, started helping companies uh, match to uh, virtual CISOs or fractional CISOs as a, as a way to help the market. We noticed that about uh, 70 plus percent of the companies we talked to uh, did not need a CISO. It was pretty obvious that they needed help, um, but they certainly didn't need that help from an executive search firm that was gonna try to sell them on a CISO. In fact, we tried to talk them out of hiring a CISO. So um, yeah, so we, we started doing that. That's been a fun service to help, um, to help the market. Um, so yeah, that's us in a nutshell. We run about uh, 25 or 30 CISO searches a year. Um, then the deputy roles as well. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the matching to uh, the CISOs, a couple dozen of those so far. Uh, so it's been, it's been a fun, fun ride. Um, that's where we are. So you, you mentioned it before we started recording. And, and as you said it just now, that the hairs on the back of my neck went up again. <laughs> so I had the same exact response twice. And I, I suspect some of the listeners might have the same response. And I think we need to clarify, or I'd, I'd, like, I'd like for you to clarify your point of, what was it, 70% of organizations don't need a CISO. Right. And so let's talk about that. But first, that, that doesn't mean they don't need security, of course. Absolutely not. <laughs> or, or a security leader. It's just that particular role. So maybe... I don't know maybe a few words on sure. that, the scoping of why that, and then and then maybe some of the other points that you find is, is part. Yeah, of it, it, a lot of it goes back to the thesis of our company. You know, we started. Uh, I, I was in IT. Um, I was on the IT side of managed services, the beginnings of data centers. Actually, going back even even longer, uh, started in the storage. A storage arena. Uh, worked on you know VMS systems and all the deck products. Um, so it was a great way to start um, right during the dot-com boom and started seeing this massive data influx. And then, then what were we doing with our data? Um, and then, uh, then we were like, oh, now we're putting the data, you know, you know, either a hybrid situation on premises or we're building out our own data centers. And then, uh, then the world changed by uh, this, uh, you know, book retailer going and using excess uh, capacity to go sell to small, medium businesses which now we know as AWS and the cloud has changed the world, right? So um, when, when I moved from IT into um, executive recruiting, I initially focused on CIO searches and everything below the CIO. Um, and so um, what we started seeing during that initial 10-year journey was that um, there was this position called the CISO that kept on coming up. And uh, we started getting calls around 2008, 2009, a couple of different software companies that are well known saying, we're looking for a CIO, but someone with a security background. Um, and could you help us? And we would say, well, where, where's the pain point? And they would say the oddest thing to us, which is we've lost control of our software licensing costs and we need to bring in someone that can look and rally that in. 
And I was like, okay, that's not on the top 10 list of reasons why you need a CIO. So what's going on here? And it turns out that um, time after time, uh, we would watch these software companies, they would essentially lose control of their software development teams who would go max out their company credit cards on this thing that we now call AWS because they were tired of waiting for the IT organization to um, uh, to you know, procure compute power and storage. And initially it was chalked up as, well, it's just shadow IT, right? And like, no, this is something much larger, right? This is a diversion in the force. Right? So we are going to have uh, a complete focus on application security, AppSec now, and the product level security. This is the product code that's driving the company's story. It's being it's being created in the cloud. It's being managed in the cloud. It's being serviced in the cloud. Um, it is everything. Um, and it's now uh, companies that are more traditional um, on-premise are going and acquiring cloud native companies. So you're starting to see this storm come. And so we, that's where we decided to focus Hitch Partners was on a cloud native or cloud first mentality. And um, and so that perspective, just to, just to put that out there, is the reason why we are uh, doing what we are today in that we see this kind of crazy shift towards um, what is a CISO in the modern world. Um, whereas the CISO was focused on internal IT systems and applications and making sure the insider piece was there. And, and now it's it's everything from the, out, not everything, but there's still a very important piece of that. Uh, I don't want to slight any of the billions of um, revenue and, and vendors that have <laughs> made that their lives. But um, but it is, it is a very equally, uh, it's a very equal attack surface now where your threats from the outside uh, are coming in. And even now we're seeing generative AI, tool, uh, AI tools, as I call it, tools gone wild and uh, people using that for nefarious reasons. So, um, so you have this attack surface that's just broad, it's wide, um, and and so it defines what a CISO is. Now, a CISO in our world is uh, is the individual or individuals, depending on the company structure, that is really leading and managing and building that true sponsored program. And most companies that do approach us, so we, we may only run 30 or so CISO searches a year, but we also speak to a couple hundred companies a year and advise them on uh, what they're looking for. Most of them don't have the desire, the need, um, the want for actually creating a, a valid security program, which then defines a CISO. Most of them need a security leader, but it is not the full subset of a CISO. And so we look at the definition of a CISO and say, ah, what you're looking for is not a CISO. In fact, begging them not to hire a CISO because it's not going to turn out well. And instead looking at uh, a, a head of security or a security leader that just get, th get them started in what they need right now, whether that's compliance, whether that's um, collaborating with the uh, product security teams or the pro excuse me, the product development teams, whatever it might be. And so that's when I say 70% uh, of the companies that approach us actually do not need a CISO. Uh, it's a very small percentage, you know, 30 plus percent. So that's uh, just to qualify that. No, I appreciate that. So what, what are some of the, I don't know if they're responsibilities or, or activities or uh, attributes <laughs> that, sure. it's that are not needed mass, for the, yeah. for the, for that group. Exactly. It's a massive scope right now. And, and we really saw the scope increase tenfold uh, really during the pandemic, the CISO, no offense to the CIOs out there because uh, they're amazing as well, but the CISO in many cases, especially in tech companies, 
absolutely led the charge to the remote workforce and making sure that it was safe and effective and efficient. Um, and, and they were the executive um, that moved up the ranks. And so now you have this, this, you have this really broad uh, scope uh, that a CISO takes on from security operations and your vulnerability management, your incident response, your SOC operations, uh, to your application security, which has multiple definitions depending on, the, on the, the arrangement of the company, the structure of the company, what they sell, to product security, again, multiple definitions, but uh, the idea being protect the products that are going out the door, to a massive uh, piece in uh, governance and ris um, uh, risk and compliance. Uh, the regulatory uh, atmosphere has become very murky and um, the game has just been upped now with a new SEC ruling um, that had a little bit of teeth added to that. Um, you have uh, now these, uh, they have the, the business aspect or the BISO. Uh, so the business spoking, how do you, um, how do you um, make the, um, <clears throat> the business aware of the security posture? Uh, is that the CISO doing it or is that a deputy? Um, there's there's so, literally so many components, I'm sure I'm forgetting physical security, fraud and privacy, um, uh, all the IT components, how can I forget about that? The corporate, corporate security side, all of the millions and sometimes billions of dollars of uh, invested in infrastructure uh, applications and a lot of SaaS and other parties. So there's, there's just literally an endless scope to a CISO, not to mention that they have to codify all these potential risks to the organization and the attack surface and put it into a digestible format for the board to take action on, for the C-suite to take action on, all while trying to educate and uh, create more awareness as to what happens at the blocking and tackling level. Um, you know, malware uh, identification and education around security awareness and phishing. Um, you know, so there's just a massive scope right now. Um, it is by far and away a golden era for the CISO. Um, and uh, that's why what we do, it's, it's so difficult because everyone's looking for everything different on the menu and different priorities in different orders. You know, they want their appetizer last and their dessert first. And so it makes for a really interesting position right now in the market. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things that um, and I suspect we can have a whole conversation on this one point, because I had a, a chance to uh, chat with uh, Sue Bergamo uh, what was it a couple of weeks ago? I think I just published the episode. And uh, one of the things she mentioned was that as the economy is shrinking or holding, organizations are trimming, uh, cybersecurity is uh, not immune to those trimming activities. And of course, organizations want to trim the, the biggest chunk first, if possible. And she <laughs> said a lot of the, she didn't mention all of that, but that's kind of my take on it. But she did mention that a lot of CISOs, uh, not a lot of CISOs, yeah, a lot of CISOs have been let go and not replaced uh, with a new person necessarily, but the, the workload and the, the responsibilities handed down, perhaps distributed across the few people in the organization. I don't know if that's something that you're seeing as well. And is that a sign that maybe what you're seeing as they come to you when you say you don't need one, that that they're also realizing it or is it purely just a, we need to cut <laughs> exercise? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, the, the battlefield promotions have definitely expanded over the last couple of years. Um, it's less about the companies that are coming to us because they're actually looking to build 
a security posture and often a security program, but may not be a full program, hence the reason why they don't need a, a CISO right now. It's just the wrong position to hire. It'd be the equivalent of saying, I need a chief revenue officer and I have yet to have any kind of recurring revenue model yet. Maybe start with a, a sales leader that can get your first 10 customers in, in the door, right? So uh, no different than a, a CISO um, to, to be able to scale. But absolutely, I mean, we've seen, um, so we track, uh, we've about 2,800 CISOs in our US network, uh, about a little under 5,000 worldwide, but um, meaning 2,800 is, uh, these aren't just LinkedIn profiles or people that we communicate with often and we've interviewed them, we know them. Um, and so we track uh, when they contact us, uh, when they're looking um, both proactively and they need to make a change in the next year or, you know, they see the writing on the wall versus the reactive list, uh, lookers who are, you know, uh, need something in the next 30 or 60 days. Um, and that number for five or six years really hovered around 11 to 13 percent. Um, and uh, over over the last year, uh, it's jumped up over 32 percent. Um, by the way, the way it breaks down is you have about two percent, two to three percent of reactive lookers and another nine uh, or so percent, nine or 10 percent of proactive lookers. And so it jumps up to 32 percent of which now it's like almost nine percent uh, of active lookers, which means that means 10, almost 10 percent of the market is on the market, of, of, you know, of the bases on the market. And then um, the remaining 22 or so percent um, are those that would like to make a change. And so if you think about a third of the market, uh, just and those are just the ones that are contacting us. I might want to add, right? This is not uh, data science at its level. It's, it's just pure <laughs> tracking who's calling us, right? Who's right. saying I'm looking for this? So there might be another, you know, larger percentage that's just not uh, contacting us and kind of doing it on their own. Very natural that to believe that. Um, but what's happening is uh, uh, to Sue and Sue's wonderful. I mean, she she has a great pulse of the market. Um, it, it, what's happening is a lot of these uh, individuals are being replaced. They're in the wrong. Part of the spreadsheet at the wrong time when the uh, when the changes are made, uh, the companies are contracting. Uh, they're trying to look at that. And CISO happens to be at that top echelon of the compensation range. Um, they're worth every penny, um, but um, it, they the client client has to make or company has to make really tough decisions. And so you're seeing this massive flow of uh, battlefield promotions. And sometimes they are ready. And sometimes the company does provide the right mentorship and gap analysis and identifies that. And sometimes I do the succession planning right. Very small percentage. And uh, by the way, if everyone figures out how to do this, I'll probably be out of a job. So, um, well, you know, I, I do I do, I do, do want to be cautious or optimistic that uh, that they'll figure it all out. But I, I've, I've, human nature says uh, we're not going to plan too far in advance. Uh, we never do. But <laughs> yeah, we, we tend to not do that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious the the, um, the the folks that are moving around. I, I have I'm not going to share anything that I shouldn't hear, but I, I get to chat with uh, a number of CISOs on and off the record, and I often hear that that I don't have the support of my peers at the executive level as one of the key drivers for frustration and then perhaps change. I don't know if that resonates with you from what you hear? Are there other things? That's yeah. it's a pretty broad statement. <laughs> well, there could be a lot of things underneath that. What, what is that really? I don't get the budget. I don't get the, what, what are the elements? Right. But what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, this goes into our uh, conversation about hitchisms. Uh, we have certain percentages that we track very closely. The 70% of companies that still don't need a CISO is, is the real numbers that we have from our own data. Uh, 80% would be companies that do not fully understand two things. One, and this is all from our searches and companies we've talked to. Uh, one, uh, that they have very, 80% of the companies have a very difficult time defining and translating what business success looks like with their security program. And uh, the same 80% um, also have um, a challenge in fully sponsoring uh, a security program. The, the sponsorship piece is the reason why CISOs want to leave and usually do end up leaving um, as soon as another opportunity comes up. They allow themselves to be out uh, recruited out. Um, they're you know outside of being you know they, they look at the whole picture right are they being compensated correctly uh you know yes or no they can use our compensation report to determine that a couple of the other compensation reports are excellent as well um but are is the program being fully sponsored and what i mean by that is uh it's not just about the budget it's about the uh the reality of going and getting the right resource to defend in the way and and the offensive and defense in the way that they need to and the expectation from the board and the c-suite to go get these things done does that translate into the ability to go get the right resources right not just well we can't hire because we don't have that number no like the best person to do the job is usually at a different layer than, than what they're willing to pay um the tools that they have inside uh, we actually are going to use these tools instead um the uh, training uh well you can only do this portion of it you know and so it's it eventually it eats it eats it and then all you know the kind of cultural quagmires in the company is it a heavy engineering and product facing organization is that is it a heavy sales organization what's driving the company well if if the if the ciso or security leader doesn't feel uh that security uh is even being remotely sponsored it's not like hey look we're not the cisos are not prima donnas they're not expecting everyone to just figure out their world, but they do need uh, to go uh, execute on this crazy expansive scope with, uh, and they have to be good managers about it, right? And they have to be willing to, to lose a couple battles, right? But, and to really focus and to kind of shift their focus. Um, a great place to do this is at the board meeting, which we can do a whole other session on, right? But, but you have a, a major uh, issue right now with the level of sponsorship. And that's why we said 80% of the companies are not adequately sponsoring their security programs, either from the beginning or during it. It's the reason why we see most of our searches. Uh, why did they, Why did that person leave? Uh, well, they, they weren't really hitting the right targets. Then we go interview that person. We're like, I had no resources. I had no way of getting things done. I had no, it was it's the same story every time. And by the way, CISOs are extremely collaborative. Um, they are, and you know this, Sean, you can talk to a hundred of them uh, all the time. It's like, they uh they talk amongst themselves they look yeah, out for themselves. huge community absolutely huge community i've never seen anything like it it's wonderful and scary all at the same time uh it's like a mafia <laughs> they all they all talk they have, there's dozens of slack channels and so when the word gets out and uh yeah this 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 happened when that company goes out and, and tries again you know take two or take three on their CISO search, uh, guess what's going to happen? It's uh, they're immediately going to go back channel the CISO that was there, take what they have to say with a grain of salt, but they're going to listen to them intently. Um, I don't know any other industry that, you know, you, you call this the, the sales VP and be like, hey, how did that go for you? Right. It's 
um, or the, the CFO going in. What, what, what's the what's the challenge here? Why are they looking? Right? That doesn't happen in other industries, as far as I know. Um, and so it's it's a pretty fascinating uh, microcosm of of what goes on in these companies. And uh, are they really going to support me? Because their reputation is on the line, um, and and they don't want to move. They they want to settle in, and they want to they want to be in a place that makes you know they can make impact. So. And, and speaking of that, I don't know if you have any data on this point. And there, there seemed to be a little wave. I don't. I haven't heard much about it in the last, I don't know, six months, I'll say, just to put a number out there. Mm -hmm. the, the whole concept of ESG, and there was, and it was kind of connected to, I'm trying to remember the, the right phrasing for the, for the movements where everybody was leaving, like there was a mass exodus of, of folks leaving and, and for especially around when companies said you're, you have to come back into the office. So they're, they were silent, silent quitting. And, and I can't remember what all the, all the terms were, but the bottom line is it wasn't just about the job per se. It was about the company that they're working for. People were moving around a lot, maybe six months or nine months ago. And connected to that is this concept of ESG where you want to work for a company that, that's doing good things beyond or as part of its, its offerings and perhaps even beyond what it offers. And so I don't know how, how much of that comes up when you're having conversations with, with uh, candidates looking for new roles. Is it about the location? Cause we talked about having to work in the office or not. Is it about location? Is it about salary? Is it about what the company does? Is it, is it I want to work for a retailer or I want to be in banking and, and support that or I'm, I'm looking to do nonprofit stuff? I don't know. I'm throwing a bunch of stuff out there. Do, do you have any yeah. sense of why or what? Not necessarily what, but where or why, but what people are looking for when they move? Yeah, it's a great I, – I see where you're going with it. It's um, – I would say the majority of the conversations that we are having, um, we there's a theme in that CISOs and security leaders in general want to do what they do best in a place that provides impact to the world, to the earth, to humanity. Um, the days of going in and securing a widget are kind of past us. And yes, in a, even in a tough economy, uh, where there's massive competition and I, you know, I went through the numbers earlier, you know, you can almost assure that there's sometimes, you know, four or 500, 600, you know, applicants for these roles. I mean, we're doing retained search only and we still see, uh, we don't advertise, but we still end up with, you know, 150, 200 candidates or more uh, that just come in from all these places that, that just hear about the search. Um, and so we just know that um, there's just a ton of competition, but there's, um, they want to do something good so that they all honed in on their skill set. Um, they know how to defend. They know how to be offensive. They know how to, you know, codify that risk. Um, they have, they're honing in on their skill sets, but they want to do this for a greater purpose. And, um, uh, and, and, and that's, that's a definitely a theme that we see. A another theme is, um, you know, I think, I think the whole remote versus hybrid versus, uh, you know, on-site, uh, definitely, thankfully, has calmed down a little bit. It was it was a little vigorous there for a while, and you know you could kind of see lines and even political lines coming in, uh, which was highly annoying. Um, by the way, it was just is this I look at it as what's the quality of life for this individual, and what's the biggest impact for the company? 
it's been proven that CISOs in particular uh, can run their teams and they can run their own management from a purely remote situation. Now, does that make sense to do that in every case? Absolutely not, right? There might be, I mean, a lot of technology companies that we work with actually need the CISO as actually the most mature executive, (laughs) a technology executive on the, on the, on the staff, on the team. And so you probably need that person on site to, to help them. Um, But um, we always try to look at um, what are the possibilities for going in and being flexible on this point to clients. Uh, We kind of show them if you want someone sitting in Salt Lake city or in St. Louis or in Boston or uh, in London or Madrid, this is what you're, you know, and, and you're going to have to airlift someone in. You're going to have to helicopter them in or you're going to get them a corporate apartment. This is or they're already there in those cities uh, or they're willing to move there um, during this time, uh, during this you know, economic crisis or, you know, uh, during the pandemic. Um, this is what your pipeline looks like. Here's the reality. Here's how big it is. Um, and oh, by the way, if you want diversity candidates, this is, a, you know, it gets that much smaller versus let's find the best person in the world. Um, and uh, let's 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 uh, hone in on that. And it was a great podcast uh, on Masters of Scale. Uh, Reed Hoffman, they was talking about. I can't remember if it was the Airbnb one or not, but it was it was pretty fascinating. It was like you know they they made a challenge that gave two world class soccer coaches and said uh, you can build. The rule is you can build a team, um, and uh, the first coach gets to build a team just using the talent in Sao Paulo. I think it was. And the other coach had the whole world to work with and they had to recruit, you know, the number of players that they had for a full team and uh, and to look at the stats later and see what they were able to do. And it just showed that uh, no matter what you're building, if you're just doing it localized, you may not have the best talent, even though they're incredibly talented, it may not be the best. So is that the philosophy you want? So I, I, I see that um, I see that this is still an argument. Uh, it's still a major thing for our clients. Usually our clients start in one place and end in another, right? It's either, well, we want it more remote uh, or we're okay with it being more remote or we want it more on site. And, uh, you know, our job is to, to let them, to let them know what the market is really going to bear. That's our role. Our role is not to shift them either one. It's really to show them the data that allows them to get the best opportunity. So, so, so you're kind of sitting in the middle there and I'd say hardly any of this is binary. (laughs) Right. Yeah, even, even just your example of the the remote workforce, um, it's a it's a gray area. Who, depending on the where it is, the type of company, the size of the program, maturity, and then on the other end of it, well, the, you have the team in there then, and then you need a leader to manage that team. And the, the leader you want to have certain experiences, certain skill sets, attributes, and those kind of things. And I view it as kind of like matchmaking, where you might have the best company quote unquote, and the best CISO, and they may not match because they're in different places, right? They, they have a different mentality, different culture. They think differently, um, different stages of life, right? A 40 year old and a 60 year old, a 40 year old and 80 year old is going to look different, those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess my point is understanding, cause you, you talked, you just mentioned they start here and they end up somewhere else that's an understanding and a conversation with the client, the company to really, really say, what are you looking for? What are, yeah. where do you, where are you starting with your program or what are you trying to accomplish or where are you, what you, what are you trying to accomplish? And 
how does the pool of candidates line up now and help you get there? And have they experienced that before? Or are you looking for somebody who has an experience and wants to think outside the box and, and uh, be completely generative and, and creative in, in their thinking? Yeah. So I don't know. Talk, talk to me a bit about the conversations on both sides, gaining that understanding and and bringing the, the matchmaking together. Yeah. I, I love this question, by the way. Um, and, and, and I'm going to give major credit to my business partner, Brett Starr, who always says this famously, you know, our, our role as search professionals is what, you know, if I had to put a percentage on it, I, you know, probably high seventies uh, that people don't understand what our role actually, what it is, or they perceive our role to be something. Our role is go get this done faster with a bigger network and, um, you know, a, a couple other things. It's, it's not necessarily about that. Our job is to really, uh, a positive experience for a client should be, we have shown you the full nature of, of, uh, or the full, the full scope of what is available in the market that your story and narrative was able to attract. That's a hard message to sometimes tell a client, especially if they think that their message actually is resonating to a totally different subcategory of CISOs, as an example. And so our my business partner always says that our primary role is to um, let the client know and inform the client using all of our data and all of our back channeling and all of our work evidence um, is to let the client know exactly who this candidate or candidates are, right? That's our job. That's our job is to look at every angle, cover every base and, and let them know. On the flip side of that, it's the same for the candidate. Our job is to let the candidate know exactly who the client is. The way we do that is we have this thing called interviewing the interviewers, which is kind of a fun way of introducing ourselves to the client uh, we interview every executive in the company um, that they'll let us interview, usually 20-minute discussions. And we interview them on a couple different things. What's their role? What's uh, Why did they join the company? What's been their experience so far? And then we get a little bit more granular into, let us hear the company pitch. By the way, can we hear the company pitch and can you tie it back to a security program of why it's so important, right? Um, and and can you tell me what, uh, that's why I said 80% earlier, um, aren't able to define what success looks like in just 18 months. Um, we asked that question. Can you tell me what success in this program, if we were to hire this person today, 18 months from now, if I asked you, what does success look like? Most of them don't know how to detail that. It's not a very fair question, right? Because it's not like they've, they've thought about this, but it just kind of gives you that mentality of we need to let our candidates know exactly how how the company is thinking about uh, success with this program. Again, a program that needs to be fully sponsored, back to my original statement. So there, there's this, uh, our job is, to, like, you're absolutely right, we're kind of in the middle, but our job is to make sure that both parties, um, this relationship, this matchmaking, is coming from a place that, um, that we inform them. It's not our opinions, it's data-based, it's based on what we observed and how we actually codify the risk um, if, if you talk to any one of our candidates, the, probably the first thing they'll say is Hitch never tried to sell me on a role. In fact, they may have actually acted like they were trying to talk me out of a role, <laughs> which is not really what we're trying to do. We just want them to go in eyes wide open. So those are extremely uh, transparent with us. Uh, we're honored by that, uh, humbled by it, but um, we want to do the same. We owe them that. And the same thing with our clients. You know, We are the agent of our clients. They are the ones that pay us. 
Um, however, we need, we do need to tell them if their story is not resonating or if this interviewer is not effective or if this interview process, uh, another hitchism, uh, 70% of uh, companies uh, don't typically know how to structure a CISO interview panel, um, uh, which is scary, right? That we usually have to come in and do some fixing um, or they figure it out on their own, um, but it, it's painful. So, so anyway, uh, long, a little bit of rambling, but I, that, that's, uh, that's what we see and, and the sort of uh, give and take here. Yeah, and I, I'm going to jump on that last point because um, it's easy as a candidate to, well, I'm trying to think of what perspective here. I'm just thinking it, it's easy to, to look at the candidate has to put their best foot forward, share anything and everything, tell the best story possible, have the right connections in the right place at the right time to have an opportunity to connect with a company that may or may not be right. <laughs> That's right. And, and then, so then you get into the interview process and it, it becomes a two part. I'm selling myself. Plus I also need to figure out, is this the right place for me? And I don't, I don't know how much of the responsibility there is or how well organizations are telling that story. So it's not just the company story, but, what is their current program? What are the weaknesses? How transparent are they that, boy, we really screwed this up. We overspent, we underspent, we, we hired a, a team, we outsourced something that we shouldn't have, we locked it, I don't know, whatever, pick your favorite uh, horror story. How does a candidate learn that before investing in days and days of interviews? With, they don't. To, to, to find <clears throat> that out eventually at some point. Or, yeah. to be to, or to be told by the company that, well, these are the real problems we're trying to solve. And by the way, you've not solved those before, so you're, the not, you're not the right candidate. Right. It, it seems very one-sided to me from outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, compound that with 80% of the interviewers, as I mentioned, or I think, sorry, 70% of the interviewers don't know how to prepare for a specific interview with a CISO. Right. And by the way, that's not their fault. They've never probably interviewed a CISO. They don't know what this beast in the wild is and what this crazy scope is looking like. And they think of compliance. They think of a CISO from 2011 or 12 saying this is the person that came in and just told us, no, 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 you can't release this out there until it has to hit that. And that, that is not a modern CISO. I don't know any CISOs like that right now. I really don't. Uh, I'm sure there are, but I haven't run into them. And they're certainly at, at mass, right? These are extremely collaborative, um, you know, functional managers that, that look at how to partner. Uh, some do it better than others. Some have unique ways, but so, but most interviewers have no idea how to interview a CISO and it shows, it shows. Um, when we do our interviewing the interviewers, we pick up on that. We're like, uh oh, you know, here's a couple that we need to work on, right? Um, we've had plenty of these scenarios. And by the way, the telltale sign is when companies come to us, um, and I'm sure this happens from my other search colleagues, and we say, well, you know, uh, what what have you done? Um, well, we've interviewed, you know, some people, uh, and we just haven't found the quite the match between technical, strategic, and uh, governance. Haven't quite that found that match. And um, okay, well, how many people have you interviewed? And and uh, we've had companies that have come with us. You know, they've interviewed dozens, sixty people, right? And and that's uh, that's not unusual. Um, it 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 just takes a long. This is hard. This is really hard. Um, so the other the other thing is that um, the interview processes are too long. Um, they're yeah. 
they're 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 not selling the candidate on what the value of setting up a program or rebuilding a program or transforming a program, whatever you want to call it, is in their company. They can't tie back the the importance of their product, their mission to security. Very few of them can. Actually, I will say that they are getting better. There's some light at the end of the tunnel there, but they're getting better. But it's still huge percentage that cannot. The other piece is that uh, over 60% of companies um, uh, do not provide valid feedback to candidates as to why they were not selected, right? Often leading to a fairly negative experience, um, which, by the way, then goes into the Slack channels and say, you know, this is what happens. And then the biggest kicker of all is that 80% of uh, of companies that we've worked with um, fail to recognize the components of negotiating a CISO's compensation and also their personal protection terms. Uh, lots happen in the, again, probably a whole other topic for another podcast another day, but another session. But, you know, there's, there's a lot that the CISO is going to need for personal protection, not just the numbers, but like what they're going to need uh, in light of DNO policy and everything else. So, most companies aren't prepared to have that conversation. We actually built a whole microsite and send it to our clients in advance saying, just so you know, when we get to the end of this journey, like you're going to need to know these things. So let's talk about it now as opposed to it being a surprise later. And they're like, oh, wow, thanks. This is great. But um, but yeah, this is a, this is a major issue. Um, I, probably three, four times a day, I'll be the shoulder of a CISO to a Kurion saying, I just spent four to six hours on this process. I still don't know what they're looking for. I've got this person saying they need this, this person saying they need that. These aren't our searches you know, that they're talking about, but it's just so disheartening to hear. And by the way, they're running a full-time security program somewhere else. So it's not like they have infinite amount of uh, you know, uh, disposable time that they can go do this. They're like doing this between their board meetings and whatnot. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge issue. Um, I would say that the quality of interviewing CISOs across the board um, is abysmal, abysmal. You know, it's not it's not even close to being good. And um, and we try to make it better, right? We're not certainly not perfect, um, but um, we try to again try to expose everything that we can think that's going on in that environment. But it's a scary thing. And by the way, it's not any better for the layer downs, right? The ICs, like, what is it the big picture here? What are we trying to do? Um, they have the same issue, right? They're just like, come in, fill in slot A with person B. And uh, don't ask a lot of questions um, and uh, we'll let you know if you have a job. It, it is, to your point, extremely one way. So I have another question, but I don't, I don't want to leave this one without asking this. One, one thing a company can do now to fix that and one thing a candidate can do to make that experience better. I have some thoughts of my own, but I'd like to hear what you Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that I've seen that's extremely effective for companies that don't yet need a CISO is to hire a vCISO, right? They're great educators. They're great framework builders. Um, it's not a massive investment. It's a point in time. Um, even if you are uh, hiring a CISO full time, go bring on a CISO advisor. You know, there's a lot of people that have been, you know, done this highly effectively. Like Caleb Seema is doing it right now for a couple companies and, you know, Great guy, Phil Venables did this for many years and was incredibly, incredibly effective, right? There's people out there that have just a wealth of knowledge. It doesn't have to be, you know, someone at that caliber either, but it could be someone that just understands. Bring them in and say, you know, this we understand this is not the role you're, for you, but you know, help us navigate through this because they'll they'll look at it from the from the point of view of a CISO and say, well, this process, you know, they'll see the same things I see. Like this this interview process, this is going to be trouble, right? 
Um, it doesn't match what you're actually asking or what you're prioritizing. On the candidate side, it's research, 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 and use your network. First thing I always tell CISOs when they're out there interviewing, obviously you can call me anytime. I will walk you through what I know and what I don't know, Chatham House rules and uh, all that. But um, look, the CISO network is incredible. They have vendors and consultants and colleagues and, uh, and, they, and they do a pretty good job of going out and, um, and asking. Um, you know, what should I expect here with this interview process? What should, what are the questions I should be asking if you were going into the, what were the three, what are the three biggest things? Sometimes CISOs will just call a former CISO and be like, what's up, right? And then that's a pretty effective solution as well. But uh, I think that that's what they both can be doing is just to get further educated. Um, you know, I also, one little trick is um, ask the, some of the questions we ask, you know, what would be success, what does success look like in the security program? Uh, to each one of your interviewers, ask it a different way and see what the response is. They'll get the same, they're hearing the same things that we're hearing. Um, you know, uh, so those are, those are just a couple of examples. Um, I also suggest for candidates, um, uh, which is probably a little bit of a contrarian view for most HR teams, but ask about compensation and protection early. Huh. Don't wait till the end, right? You've got nine to 15 hours of invested in time only to find out that they're 40% or 25% off of the mark of the market, let alone my own personal compensation. And they weren't even willing to do a DNO policy or look at a double trigger if it's a private company. You don't want to find those things out after you've invested. I think most candidates in general are not, um, they're, they're afraid that they will mess up their chances if they start asking those questions. And I definitely implore them to be more aggressive on that. And many of them are listening and starting to do that. So. I love it. I don't know. I, I know we're, we're on time in terms of our mark here. You haven't, you have another minute. Sure. I have, yeah. I have one, I have one more question that I think we can kind of wrap up with because uh, I've been working on a, a blog series. I've, it started as three parts. I've added a fourth. This will probably contribute to the fourth and who knows where to go beyond there. It, the, the, the core title is, am I wrong for not wanting to be a CISO? <laughs> I love it. And I, and I dig into some of the reasons why I think about, think that. And um, so kind of shifting now from CISOs who have already accepted that challenge and answered that question for themselves. Maybe they're looking, some are looking to get out as well, but so setting that group aside that have already made that decision and are doing it, there's a group of folks who have not yet been a CISO and want to be. And uh, so any thoughts to that group? So they're a security leader or an IT leader or, or wherever they're coming from. How, how can they best prepare themselves for this type of, uh, this type of engagement? Yeah, first, uh, uh, yes, there's a lot of CISOs that are, um, not a lot, but there, there's a handful. I think it's kind of blown out of proportion a little bit, but uh, there's definitely a handful that are kind of at their wits end and maybe this isn't the right role and they've experienced burnout. A lot of it comes down to that sponsorship piece I mentioned earlier of a lack of sponsorship. Um, but um, the, to answer your question, I, I, like, I, I think... I think uh, being a CISO, I'm obviously extremely biased. So let me just put that out there. Uh, this is my, my <laughs> business, this is my baby. Um, but I truly do believe that uh, a CISO is the most unique uh, technology executive uh, in today's world. They have the most unique view of people, process, and technology in a company. 
um, and the ones that are highly effective immediately become uh, the board and the C-suite's strategic advisor on looking around the, I call it the chief look around the corner officer, right? <laughs> That's what I call it. Uh, I, I don't know, I don't know the acronym, it's too many letters in there, but are too many words in there. But uh, the idea is that, um, uh, that they, they are able to see things before others and they're able to look at business challenges and say, ah, here's the risk to that. The ones that can really kind of get that into a digestible format are highly effective to all audiences. That's that's key. But mm, I would say that if you're looking for a career that's going, if you're someone that absolutely wants a challenge, want to run around your hair on fire, always looking at the biggest problems to solve in the business, not just in security, and you feel that you found a good match culturally, it is the greatest job on earth, right? Um, and, you know, how do you prepare for that? Uh, you know, a lot of yoga, um, you know, a good diet, um, uh, a, 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 an ability to have yourself pretty well balanced because it is a potential burnout situation. Uh, many of my friends have been in the situations and there's some horrible stories, but, um, but it is a wonderful uh, environment. I do think it's going to lead and it's already leading to some incredible uh, stories of uh, not just entrepreneurs and CEOs, but also COOs, CTOs, CEOs. Um, you know, not not that it's the next wave of new CEOs. I'm not saying that, but there is a great path forward from a CISO um, that I don't think people give enough credit to, and it's just a it's a great um, it's a great way to get into that business. And um, and I do think it's going to continue to expand. I think we're going to see the CISO role uh, continue on. Um, it'll get more uh, critiqued about it um it'll it'll go through its waves i mean one of the reasons by the way that we're seeing so many CISOs on the chopping block uh this last year and a half two years is because they've actually elevated to the level of being in that conversation in the first place right like you don't get noticed as a massive cost in the in the organization <laughs> without having achieved something right like when i when we first started this business they were comparing CISOs to a director of it a director of it is a great position but it's nowhere near what a CISO's scope is in many of these companies. And so, um, Congratulations and on your success. <laughs> yeah. So success is what happens, right? You know, um, you know, everyone wants you and then you're probably the first to go if there's a major downfall. So, <laughs> but no, great question. Well, I love it. And, and you, you mentioned three things. I'm going to add a fourth and I, I think it's a good way to, to wrap up with my final thought anyway. Um, so you said yoga, I think exercise <laughs> is important. Yes. I think this, this is true across the board. Um, a good diet. Um, I'm actually part of a group where we, we talk about exercise and diet in relation to uh, Very cool. the, this role, which is really cool. And uh, work-life balance, you, you mentioned burnout there as well. I'm going to add a good support group, um, which we touched on earlier, just the, the, the broad community. Yep. And maybe this is where I can ask you for your final word on, on the point of community where I'm one is not yet a CISO, but wants to start building or participating and in, in engaging with the community of CISOs. <laughs> Any ideas or thoughts of. Yeah. There's uh, someone. Yeah. You absolutely have to have your peeps, right? They will get you through just like anything else in life. Right. Um, if you're going through a turbulent time, a loss, I mean, look at the pandemic. We all found humanity again uh, for a time. Um, and um, you're going, people go through divorces or substance abuse or depression, um, you know, the variety of, 
things that happen in our lives, right? You need people around you, other humans that you can connect with, um, and time to yourself, time to think. Um, but yeah, I, I, as far as, um, those that want to get into the space, I mean, I know that there are programs like, um, uh, ISLF, a uh, great program, um, that you can uh, join and they have multiple layers from contributor layer to CISO layer. Uh, Affinia is another great one that we work with. I, I'm part of security tinkerers is a pretty amazing, we call it the, the tribe. Um, there's uh, probably a dozen out there, C uh, CISO consortium. Um, there, there's a lot that, that have um, not just CISOs, but are willing to take on or have organized mentorship programs. So um, definitely implore you to do that. And uh, if you don't know one, call me and we'll, we'll match you with one, right? It's, uh, we'll make sure that you, if you're on that path and you're serious about it, uh, or if you're just testing it out, um, let, let's talk and I'll make sure you get to the right place so that you can get the, the, the motivation and reality that you need <laughs> to make yeah. the decision. So. Yeah, and I know uh, Laz uh, put together a good community. Uh, Laz is awesome. Per personally and with the Blue Lava community yep. great great also. example i didn't mean to and, forget about last but oh no of course not and, yeah. and so i'm going to use this opportunity now to ask the listeners and viewers um if you have ideas or groups that you're part of or think are good feel free to share them with me i'll i'll update the uh the show notes with those links we'll include the ones we mentioned today um to start but if you have others let me know and uh we'll, we'll include them here well, Michael, this has been uh, super fun. Hopefully uh, the listeners and viewers enjoyed it as well. A great, great, great chat, man. You as well. Thanks, Sean. I look forward to the next time. Yep, absolutely. And uh, yeah, thanks, everybody. We'll uh, see you in a month or so-ish, something like that. I think we already have the next one booked. I don't know. What I think so. About yeah, I, think so. Uh, I don't think we have any flights uh, booked at yeah, that particular time. No flights uh, blocking our, <laughs> our chat. And already a gazillion ideas lined up. Um, I think we, I certainly tripled the idea list having the chat today. You do. <laughs> so no, no lack of options to talk about. Of course, like I mentioned earlier, if, if somebody has an idea or a topic you want us to dig into, let us know. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Michael. Catch you on the next one. Thanks, Sean. Take care. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at Pentera.io. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.
Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.